0: Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, time to start up our third and final hour here in the Sports Zone. And of course, uh, the brackets are out. March Madness. And the madness starts Thursday, but the tournament technically uh, kicks off tomorrow, and we will have LIU Brooklyn head coach Derek Kellogg uh, with us coming up in, in about half an hour. They'll be taking on Radford tomorrow uh, in the uh, first four. But uh, right now, we bring on Vin Parisi. I see him as an analyst on Fox Sports as well as SNY. And you know, Vin, it's that time of year. Are you you juiced up for this particular tournament? Oh, what's
1: better than this week, Pete? Thanks for having me on and. You know, it's fun because, obviously, us being, you know, locally, we have multiple teams here in the metropolitan area in the tournament. Uh, You know, we have, you know, good talent that can make some noise. But, you know, I think when you look at this tournament, Pete, especially from the Sweet 16 on and in, and you look at the Elite Eight that second weekend, I really think this tournament's going to be fun once we get rolling.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into some of those matchups. How about, you know, the locals? Seton Hall, is that the team you think – most likely to to make some noise here?
1: Yeah, I think they have the most talent to make some noise. I'm just disappointed with uh, their seeding, to be honest. I I thought for sure that they would be in the 7-10 game. Um, I didn't think that they would be in the 8-9 game. They finished in third place this year in a league that uh, the first and second place teams were two number one seeds in Villanova and Xavier, and the Big East is one of the best leagues in all of the land, and they were a three seed going into the Big East tournament and for them to not even get into that 7-10 game, I think, is extremely tough. Granted, they lose to Butler in the first round of the Big East tournament, but the committee, Pete, made it clear that conference tournaments were not going to be the difference maker. Look at Nevada. They lost, and they they remained the seven seed. So, you know, when you look at the fact that Seton Hall has to travel to Wichita, Kansas, play in the 8-9 game against an excellent NC State team, and then potentially have the Kansas Jayhawks in the second round mm-hmm. in Wichita Kansas uh, you know a, a tough tall task for Kevin Willard's pirates but you know what he has one of the best big men in the country an Angel Delgado and he is senior Scoring guards, and as we know, anything could happen in the tournament in that area.
0: No, certainly uh, a tough draw there for Seton Hall. As you mentioned, they lost to Butler in the Big East tournament, but, uh, you yeah, know, that, that was back and forth the last minute of that game, not as if it was a, a bad loss by, you know, any stretch of the imagination. Um, and what about a team like Xavier that, you know, at times in the Big East tournament w- was impressive to get knocked up by Providence in overtime? Uh, Do you see them? They're a number one seed this year as a a true national title contender.
1: Yeah, you you know what? I mean, to be honest, I think they're the most susceptible out of the four number one seeds, and that's not to take anything away from them. I think, uh, you know, Chris Mack, you know, the job he's done this year has been fantastic, and and Blue, it's one of the best all around players in the country, and they have a ton of ingredients and high octane offense. But I think for them, the bracket favors them because I think that once you look at their round of 32 matchup, I mean, who knows who shows up from Missouri and Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, they're such a question mark there. Ohio State's been inconsistent. So, you know, I think they're in good shape to play that second weekend against Gonzaga. And then once you get to that uh realm of the tournament i mean seating goes out the window and i think it comes down to making shots and and having experience and the musketeers have that for sure Uh, but I do not have them as one of my one seeds making it to a Final Four.
0: And we're talking again with Vin Parisi, Fox Sports, SNY, about uh, March Madness. What about Missouri? As you mentioned there, Michael Porter Jr., top recruit in the country this past offseason, missed a lot of time because of injury. You know, came back uh, the other day, didn't have a great shooting night, but what kind of wild card does his return make Missouri in this tournament?
1: Yeah, you're right. You know, he he comes back, he plays in the first round of the conference tournament, and think about it, you know, what did he look like? He looked like somebody that was out for four months uh, and and had back surgery. Uh, You know, they're missing a shooter as well, uh, which I think, you know, really, you know, makes them uh, a question mark there. I mean, Florida State has solid wins this year. They have size. Uh, They're better on the backboards. I think they get past. It's unfortunate for Missouri because, like a Notre Dame who obviously didn't make the field, they had a key, key injury, you know, dominate the dialogue and and the theme of their season. And when Especially when you look at these teams that have veterans and have enough talent to make it deep into the tournament, you know, you feel for those
0: teams. One thing that jumped out at me, the SEC football conference, right, is what you think of, but eight teams yeah. in this tournament— uh, should we we not be sleeping on these SEC teams? Were they just a, a little deeper than usual this past season?
1: No, listen, I, I, you know I th- I don't think that the SEC got enough play this year. I think that you know obviously we knew about you know the Big Twelve being as strong as they were, and mm-hmm. I, I think some individual players and performances such as Trey Young and you know following these guys' paths took away some buzz from some other teams. I mean, the job that John Calipari did. You know, normally, you know, you have a team that young and they're running and gunning and going, and he slowed them down. They play better half-court defense. They're more they're solid now. Um, they got seated more on their resume and, and more on what they've done this year, not on their talent and athleticism. So they're scary. You know, Florida's been a little inconsistent. I think you got to keep an eye on them to maybe get, you know, caught with an upset. But you look at the job that... You know, Bruce Pearl has done. You know, I, I think that they could play with any of these teams, especially when you get to the second weekend.
0: Yeah, and uh, when you look at you know round two, I, I look at Kentucky and Arizona as four fives that could face off that that first weekend uh, on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, yeah. You know, what what are some of the matchups here? And you talked about you know potentially get to the Elite Eight. What are some of the matchups you're looking your chops at that uh, you hope we get a chance to see this tourney?
1: Well, I, I'll tell you what, and you know, you you bring up Arizona, and that's such an interesting dynamic because of all the drama that they went to. Mm-hmm. But and then Eitan, I mean, he has the most talented all-around player. May not be the number one pick, but the I mean, may not be the obviously player of the year, but the most over the most talented player in all of college basketball, and probably the number one NBA draft. I mean, that's got to be the most talented number four seed uh, that you've ever seen. I think the Midwest, Pete, is just fascinating to me because, you know, you have Rhode Island and, and Dan Hurley, and he has the deepest perimeter in all of college basketball. They stubbed their toe. They had a couple tough losses late. But when they're shooting the ball well as a group from three-point land, I really believe Rhode Island – um, Where they were a few baskets away from being a five or a six seed, they're the best seven seed in the tournament. I think they get past Trey Young in Oklahoma. and Oklahoma, and to watch them shoot it out against the Duke zone and, and the drama of Dan Hurley going up against Coach K, who used to coach his brother Bobby Hurley. Uh, There's just so much drama down there, and I know everybody loves Duke and Kansas, but the other reason why I love the Midwest is I think Michigan State is coming out of that bracket. I think the Spartans are as good as any two and three and even one seed. I think that they're underseeded. I think that they listen. They were the best handful of teams the first three months of the season. It's not their fault that the Big Ten did not live up to expectations miles bridges uh jackson they have size they rebound the heck out of the basketball they defend when they're making shots they're going to be a nightmare for these teams now that they get out of big 10 play
0: and you know obviously the undercurrent uh for this tournament will be you know that fbi investigation and and some of which has become public do you anticipate that those things will affect any of these teams? I mean, for Arizona, maybe you could argue, hey, nobody's going to be suspended, so yeah, it's a chip on their shoulder. Uh, do you see it you know, playing any kind of a role, even potentially a positive, for some of these teams that have had that hanging above them for a, a few weeks now?
1: You know what? I, I'm glad you brought that line in at the end because, if anything, I think it, it's a positive in terms of motivation. I think if you're Arizona, uh, Seton Hall, and then even some of these teams that were linked in a smaller type way, be it a Michigan State or a Xavier, we're talking about a meal here or a meal there. I I think you could spin to your guys and you could rally to your guys that, hey, listen, we're facing adversity. People are writing stuff. We need to stay together. We need to battle through this. I spent a lot of time around Seton Hall recently the last couple of weeks. I know that they're not stressing it. Um, I I do think that everyone's going to mentally put this on hold, But, you know, this is a conversation for a different show, Pete. But I do think that this is going to resurface and be the key story in college basketball in the summer, in the postseason. But, I mean, you're right. For the teams that had to go uh, through some adversity these last few weeks, use it as a positive and stay together. And, you know, I I just have a funny feeling. I I haven't picked them. To, to go uh, you know, super, super far, but I just have a funny feeling that the basketball gods are going to have fun with us with Arizona when the tournament gets rolling.
0: Yeah, that's the way these things can go as we uh, <laughs> chat with uh, Vin Parisi right now, SNY, as well as Fox Sports. As far as you know, the actual brackets and in the selection committee yesterday, do you... Yeah, I went to Hofstra, so I got that you know mid-major mentality, and I hear you know USC whining about not getting in, and maybe they are one of the you know better teams in, and and got hosed at the end there. But I, I, I'm much more likely to feel for a team like Middle Tennessee State that only loses two games in conference all year, loses in the opener of their conference tournament, and they're out. Uh, do you, you know, find it? yeah problematic, or what do you think about you know how they go about determining which teams are getting in here
1: yeah i you know I feel bad for that because you know i and I coached at the mid major level besides Rutgers for a few years at at iona and f d u so i've I've seen it on both sides of the coin you know all, all depends on you know what angle you look through it. Do you want the best sixty eight teams or do you you know do you want to give you know teams from different league shots i mean for example you know, Iona came in fourth place in their league this year. They weren't even one of the top two or three teams in the MAC, and they are in the 15-2 game. So, uh, you you know, you you look at some of these teams and you say, hey, is is a Syracuse and and, and a USC and and an Arizona State, what if they played, you know, one of these teams? What if they played one of these mid-majors? So I I think it's a challenging job for the committee. Um, I know that a Syracuse, for example, um, you know, they, they had a lot of blemishes. They also did a lot of right things down the stretch. I understand where Notre Dame's coming from with the Bonzi-Colson injury, but you know what? They also lost to Ball State and they at home, and they also lost to Indiana with Bonzi on the team. So at the end of the day, I think they were at least consistent. One thing they were consistent with, Pete, was it wasn't so much about your conference record it was about who did you beat. Now, the one team that I know that has a gripe, is USC because if I'm USC, I'm saying, wait, I came in second place in the Pac 12 and made it to the conference championship game, and Arizona State came in ninth place and got bounced in the first round of the conference tournament. But look at the wins, look at Kansas, look at Xavier. So, the, you know, the committee has a theme every single year, and if you look at the criteria that this year was who did you beat? Then you have to just, you know, you have to suck it up and you got to take it. And there's always going to be two or three teams that are unhappy.
0: Yeah. That's the way, uh, they shook it out this year. And, you know, I know, you know, for example, we were talking about a little earlier that mid major versus the power. Who would you rather see in? Yeah. You know, it's part of what's fun. The first four in a matchup like St. Bonaventure and UCLA. Yeah. It would be a huge upset in theory, but they're both 11 seeds trying to, you know, fight their way in.
1: That's right. And, and you know what, what's funny is I actually love. St. Bonaventure and UCLA, the winner of that game, getting past the Florida as a 6-seed. Because Florida's been very inconsistent, uh, especially when you look at the last couple of weeks. I, I think, whether it's Bonaventure or UCLA, I think that first game's going to be tougher than the second game. And, you know, that's one of the things that is, you know, so fascinating about this tournament, to where when this tournament starts out, you know, nobody's going to be talking about a New Mexico State, for example. But, you know, here, here's a team that was 28 and five. They were dominated the WAC conference. I mean, they got a stud uh, in, in this kid Lofton. They shoot it from three, and they're playing out in San Diego, and they're in New Mexico. They're going to have more fans than Clemson has at the game. Like that's one of those 12-5 games to where if they played ten times this year, Clemson would probably go, you know, nine and one. But, you know, the scene is set for some of these teams to break through and, and have an unbelievable day. And I think it's just what makes March Madness one of the best sporting events of the year.
0: Always happens, and it's, uh, it's always fun and somehow surprising when it does. And Vin Parisi, uh, we appreciate you coming on and breaking it down for us.
1: Thanks so much, Pete. I appreciate it, bud.
0: All right, Vin Parisi, uh, Fox Sports, SNY, giving us uh, his take on how the bracket is set up and how some of this uh, might shake out. We'll have uh, some reaction when we come back. 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Uh, We'll also have Derek Kellogg, the head coach of LIU Brooklyn. They'll get Radford tomorrow night in one of the first four games played in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, So how he's getting his team. Ready and and what is a coach does he consider the first four the play-in game or is this the NCAA tournament? Does he feel like he's getting ready for an NCAA tournament game? So we'll uh, we'll get into that when we come back. Sports zone with Pete McCarthy on the voice of New York seven ten WOR. We're back in the WOR sports zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, back here in the sports zone, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. The number to get involved. I've not yet filled out my bracket, but I do look forward to taking uh, Vin Parisi's uh, advice where I can. And now I, I have someone to blame when it all uh, inevitably blows up. But uh, no, um, you know it's interesting. I find I enjoy personally rooting for. You know, those mid-major teams, the the true Cinderella. Just because you're a 12 seed doesn't mean that you're a Cinderella, right? I feel like we've been through this with Syracuse before, where they just sneak into the tournament and they're a high seed. In this case, they're an 11 in the first four. If Syracuse makes it to the Sweet 16 as an 11, I'm sorry, they're not Cinderella. You, Syracuse cannot be cinderella but i enjoy rooting for those you know mid-major teams to find a way to pluck it through it's so difficult for those teams to make the tournament but when i'm actually going through and, and making my picks the teams that i i do like are the teams with big time talent that's maybe a little underseated and you know a couple of teams that have that upside Arizona being one with the talent that is there, uh, obviously tough draw where they'll get Kentucky in the second round if they can make it past Buffalo. But I, I, I'm willing to take a chance on on that kind of team. If you want to break up the monotony of having a bunch of ones and twos in your elite eight, you know those are the teams that you look at. And a team like Missouri with Michael Porter Jr. who Maybe as rusty as all can be, and just had back surgery, missed four months, but you know he has great talent, and typically in a basketball game, you like the team with the most talented player. A lot of other things can be equal, but if you have the team with the most talented guy out there, uh, you're going to have the ability to win some games, so you know even though Missouri is an 8 you know why you know they could be a, a thorn in the side of say number 1 Xavier uh looking there in the west so uh um, yeah, there's a couple of things uh, you look at as you try to break down how this uh this tournament may very well play out and and like i say uh, whatever i think'll happen by usually it's one fifty two on Thursday. Usually that is about the time that it all uh it all starts to go to hell. Uh but eight hundred three two one zero seven ten, at least for me. Uh Mark and Callie. How are you doing, Mark? pd Mac, how are you doing man? I'm good. What's going on? How's married life treating you? It's uh it's nice. It's been a little over how a long, month. How long how long has it been? A little over yeah, a month, so a month. we're just out of the honeymoon okay. phase and now moving into real life. So uh no, 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 no,
2: no,
0: no, 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 no. <laughs> the honeymoon
2: phase lasts longer than a month. Okay. Trust me. Right. My wife, my wife has been in London for a month. I'm in California. I can't tell you much more than that, or you'll figure out who I am. But um, she's coming home tonight, so it's been a month, and I'm I'm anxiously waiting her arrival at LAX in actually two minutes or so. In wow. a couple of minutes.
0: Very exciting, Mark. Thanks for sharing. What's going on?
2: So I wanna talk about basketball, but before that, I'm just gonna throw something out really quick. Last August I'm listening to the radio mm-hmm. and everybody on the radio is talking to Mike Francesa about what if uh the Giants get to the the Super Bowl and Eli Manning beats, you know, uh Tom Brady for the third time. Is he like a god? Mm-hmm. And Everybody now is saying that the Yankees are going to be, like, in the World Series and all this stuff. There's a lot of season to play. There's a lot of season to play, Mike.
0: Yeah, no, okay. they haven't so, even started the season, know. Mark. Hey, if you have an NCAA tournament point, uh, I got, like, 20 seconds till I got to hit break.
2: Okay, so... They, the, the NCAA, last night, you know, I'm, I'm an IU fan. You don't know who they are, but I went to Indiana. It's called Indiana University. And I was there in 1987 when they won it all. Well, last night I saw Arizona take apart USC, okay? They took them apart. And they have two seven-footers. And that guy, Aiton, yeah. I think DeAndre Aiton is his name. I mean, he's the best player. So it's going to be a lot. And, and Arizona typically underperforms in the tournament, but, I mean, they took them apart. Well, they and got talent,
0: bigger. and talent is is what you asked for, and thanks for the call, Mark. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Arizona, you know, they're not your typical four seed. Immensely talented. Uh, like I said, the risk of, of liking them going deep is they got to play an immensely talented Kentucky team to get to the Sweet 16 and then, you know, possibly run through Virginia. But that is, I and mean, that's that's a crazy region uh, there in the South, and um, yeah, you got the best player on the floor, you got a great chance to win, and and that's something Arizona will have the advantage of eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. We'll be joined by the head coach of LIU Brooklyn uh, when we come back. That is Derek Kellogg. Plus your chance to win a thousand dollars coming up at nine oh five. You're listening to the Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. You're in the double. W- WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. LIU Brooklyn to take on Radford tomorrow in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. You'll be able to see it uh, nationally as well on TNT. And we bring on right now the head coach of LIU Brooklyn. It is Derek Kellogg and uh, Coach Kellogg. Congratulations. What's uh, what's it been? What's it like for you to be back in the NCAA tournament?
3: No, that feels great. It's kind of the pinnacle of coaching. Um... You know, your, your, your goal at the beginning of every year, um, I think, is to get to the NCAA tournament. And so we're, we're where we wanted to be. But now that you get here, um, I think the next goal is to try to win some games. And so our guys have been focused. The, um, the whole whirlwind of getting here and, and uh, getting to Dayton has been fantastic. The, the crowd, the people have all been uh, very open and welp- welcoming. And so we're, uh, we're ready to play some basketball.
0: And again, uh, you get Radford tomorrow night. Uh, what's the experience been like reaching this point? You just took over this program less than a year ago, and to you know, have them back in the NCAA tournament. Uh, what has the last year or so, a little less than that, been like for you?
3: Uh, it's been great, uh, you know, to kind of take over a new program and have the guys buy into your style and system to uh, to really believe in what you believe. And uh, you know, when you do those things, I think some good things can happen. And, uh, you know, lucky for us, we played well at the right time, and now we're here in the NCAA tournament.
0: What was the key to getting guys to buy in?
3: Um, you know, just being with them all the time and let them know that you are there working with them and trying to get them better, that we all had kind of the same goal and same focus. And uh, we, we had good kids, good kids that were left here in the program, good kids that um, we recruited and bought in. And I think when you get a bunch of good guys together and they're working hard and playing the right way, you give yourself an opportunity to do something special.
0: And this team lost its top three scorers from a year ago. Uh, how'd you keep the you know, demands and the expectations high with you know that kind of uh, of exodus and, and all the change that the program went through?
3: Well, I think that the guys that came back all um, you know probably had roles last year that maybe they thought they could have done more, and, and they've proven that they can. And then Joel Hernandez is a fifth year uh, who set out with a hand injury last year, has come in and, and given us a huge boost offensively. Rayquan Clark, um, kind of one of those guys that I mentioned, averaged you know six or seven points a game last year, is up to seventeen, and uh, a lot of other guys have chipped in and gotten better. So it's been a team effort um, with kind of Joel Hernandez and Rayquan Clark and Jay Sean, Augusto, and um, bats kind of kind of leading the charge.
0: And you bring in a couple of transfers as well, Zach Coleman, who is with you at UMass, uh, Hofstra, uh, Jamal Robinson, as well. But but how about in the case of Coleman to have a player who is f- uh, familiar with you and to have somebody, I, I suppose, that you know, can uh, help explain to the the team what what a coach is all about.
3: You know what you meant. Well, that's a good point that you mentioned because I thought the most important thing of having a fifth year guy and Zach come with me was that he could kind of let the guys know the type of person I am, how I treat my players, um, the kind of family atmosphere that we have, and also give us some uh, stability on the defensive end and rebounding part of the game. So it was a great uh, fifth-year pickup with him and Robinson, two guys that have just given us some maturity both on and off the floor.
0: And we're talking again with uh, the head coach of LIU Brooklyn, Derek Kellogg. They'll take on Radford tomorrow in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, you knocked off Wagner in the NEC in order to make it to this point. Uh, for those that maybe haven't had a chance to see your team before, what's going to jump out about you guys uh, when you're on TNT tomorrow?
3: Well, I'll tell you, lately, our um, if you watch our team, I think the, the, the passion coming out of them, the, um, the toughness that they're playing with is something that, uh, it's really been fun to watch. We're playing a, a tough, hard-nosed style of basketball. We're getting out and really pushing tempo. And the energy that my team's playing with right now is uh, right up there with the, the top teams that I've coached.
0: And uh, you, you've coached a team into the NCAA tournament before with UMass. Uh, what do you make uh, of you know being part of the opening round? Does it feel like uh, you're in the tournament? Does it feel like you got to play your way in? I know they don't like it being called the play-in round uh, any longer. How, how are you guys viewing this game against Bradford?
3: You know, we're excited. Honestly, this has been, uh, if you're going to have it, this is a great place to have it. The people are treating you like you're in the NCAA tournament. We're considered at the first round, and so uh, this has been great. I think it's a a good place to uh, get a few teams acclimated and uh, have some good college basketball before any other games start.
0: And for you, you have playing experience in the NCAA tournament as well. We're, of course, part of those great UMass teams with, with Marcus Camby. Do you, you know, give guys an idea of what it's like to be on this kind of stage and uh to have this kind of opportunity
3: yeah i think they understand you know that i've played here and coached in the, in the tournament and the biggest thing i want them to be as loose uh as possible but also realize you know you got to be focused you got to be tough that this is uh something that you want to make sure you leave everything on the floor because it, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity
0: what do you uh think are some of the keys for tomorrow's game what are you harping on in practice today
3: I mean, right now it's been—we've gotten better defensively and, and better rebounding the basketball. And since we've done those two things, uh, our offense has gotten a little better. We've scored more in transition, and I think that's made us a more complete basketball team.
0: Well, congratulations on uh, heading back to the NCAA tournament, Derek Kellogg, uh, the head coach of LIU Brooklyn. Best of luck tomorrow night, coach. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. An impressive run through the NEC tournament. Uh, You know, hardly a a favorite in that tournament, but knocked off number one Wagner, who, you know, hadn't lost at home all year long. Uh, And, uh, you know, L.I.U. Brooklyn able to take care of that. So they find themselves back in the NCAA tournament uh, playing tomorrow. And even though, you know, they don't get. You know the 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 big shining lights on the bracket quite yet. They got to compete for that spot within the bracket to be a a 16 seed. Uh, You know, for these kids, that is a, a real opportunity to be able to play a nationally televised game. And you know, their NEC championship game might be nationally televised as well. But we know it's a different level. The big things in sports the next two nights are going to be those you know first four uh, NCAA games. They've gotten a little bigger every year. They've found a good home for them in Dayton and you actually have a crowd that you know can get into it a little bit and is going to pick a team and run with them. Uh so, you know, it's it's a great chance for these Kids to you know get a look, get NBA scouts watching a little bit, get some you know friends and family just able to see what they do uh, on television, and you know, it's obviously a, a winnable game against uh, another 16 seed like Radford, and then you know you can start to dream perhaps a little bit after that, and that would be that that impossible dream as they uh, fight for the right to deploy Villanova. And still, it's almost amazing, but still, after all these years, a 16 has never beaten a 1. We, we've seen the 15 over the 2 quite a few times, but never the 16 over a 1. You, you'd think at, at some point it would happen. You would think with the way that they structure the tournament now, where you're knocking out a couple of teams at the bottom, where you know you lose a 16 between either LIU Brooklyn or Radford, you lose a 16 with NC Central and Texas Southern. You know, in the past, all four of those teams got in because they won their tournament. Now you're knocking two of them out. You would think some stronger 16s, yet still has not uh, has not happened here, Ray. One no, day. What is it now? Thirty years, or close to thirty years
4: since Georgetown uh, Penn. Which was the you know, the one that everybody thought would happen. Georgetown Princeton, excuse me, back in the in the mid eighties, late eighties was the one where they almost knocked off Georgetown. That's mm. as close as it's been.
0: Yeah, it's typically you know, it's not very close either. Maybe a team can hang around for a half and uh that's about it. So that would be fun to see. You know, Iona over Duke, that would be a, a lot of fun to see as well. You know, these there's you know, not a ton of local teams uh, in the tournament this year and Seton Hall has the most ability to make some noise uh, sitting as an eight seed. They'd have to play Kansas and Wichita in round two. Uh, this is certainly not an easy setup for Seton Hall to get to the Sweet 16. Uh, but you have Iona as a 15 taking on Duke. You have LIU Brooklyn as part of this tomorrow night. Uh, and, you know, uh not, not a ton otherwise as far as uh, the locals go, unless you start counting Syracuse, who also... Have the uh, the first four game, and I love how sense. everybody's all
4: upset the Syracuse is in. And it's like the annual thing; they hate Syracuse, and I'm not a Syracuse guy, but
0: just uh, it's, everybody hates. Mike. It. It's a surprise, and they always get in. They always find a way into this tournament, and then they make noise in the tournament as well. Typically, you know, one of the other things that uh, you know stands <laughs> out from. You know, talking uh, earlier in the, the show this hour with Vin Parisi, what was he mentioned Michigan State as being a team to watch and uh, a team to keep your eye on? And it's, well, yeah, it's March Madness. Of course, you got to watch Tom Izzo in Michigan State. And, and they've had, you know, some early exits in recent years, but uh, always a dangerous tournament team. But they've had so much going on this year with that program. Um, you know, of course, you know, with the, uh, USA Gymnastics uh, issues as well, and you know the the doctor that was arrested was uh you know Michigan State employee, so you know they've had all kinds of, of things to deal with there over the course of this season. But like those teams that you know were featured in the FBI report, or have had coaches uh, fired over the courses here, assistant coaches fired to that FBI investigation. This is a time of year where I don't think you're going to hear distraction. You know, you – everyone's gonna you know jump all in on the tournament it's going to be about the tournament more than it's been about regular season games or even conference tournament games for you know those teams affected by that and I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air for a lot of those teams and maybe it does lead to some awkwardness for the nCAA maybe you know that's why u s c isn't a part of things one of the the schools that you know has been mixed up with that. But uh, I I think from a, a mental standpoint, an emotional standpoint for the players, for the coaches as well, you know, it's gotta be a breath of fresh air to just get to the tournament. Basketball is the story on a day to day basis. And while, you know, there'll be a question here or there, as long as, you know, no more reports are going public or no bombshells are dropped in the middle of the tournament uh, you're gonna end up you know just focusing on basketball in a way that you haven't been able to in months love it love it I just I think it's like a, a little breath of fresh air for those do you teams. really it's something to keep in mind are you one of those who really cares though
4: about the uh, about all the stuff that's going on is it really that much of a surprise that, that these players have you know been involved in, in and not'm talking about the Michigan State situation I'm talking about the the
0: payments and the parents
4: getting cars and all of that
0: I, I'd say what bothers me is assistant coaches making money to steer these players to either certain agents or certain money managers if that's how you're getting your hands on a future nba player's bank account maybe you don't have the purest of intentions or at the very least someone who is trusted in your life like an assistant coach who recruited you who you've probably known for years who probably has texted you 10 times a day since you were 13 years old to have that person not have your best interests in mind and that person being used or using you to make you know tens of thousands of dollars and that That's the shady part of it, where those coaches should be banned from the profession, and that's where it is a big deal. It is fraudulent in a lot of ways to me. Uh, If we're just talking about recruiting violations, and yeah, the kid gets a car, the kid gets a stipend, the parents get the apartment paid for, whatever it might be. No, none of that truly bothers me. This is what the players are worth if it was a a true open market. So I I don't think less of Reggie Bush. Because, you know, he allegedly took payments in his time at USC. Might have cost them technically national championships in the books, but I don't see how you could blame, you know, the kid for being in that situation when it's an archaic system that takes advantage of, I think, uh, the athletes, or some of the athletes, certainly the premium athletes that are bringing in tens of millions of dollars for the sport overall. The coaches are benefiting on it. There's got to be a way to give them a more fair piece of the pie, and if there was... You wouldn't have all this stuff happening under the table.
4: And just think of this. We had a guy on today and Derek Kellogg, who was part of a team that uh, didn't go to the final four according to the NCAA, you know, so that, that UMass team had it vacated. So, you know, do we do we
0: not remember that run with, with them? No, of course. Uh, you know, yeah. Was, Do
4: we, like you said, Reggie Bush, we
0: remember it. We remember Louisville. They won a few years ago. It's, it's, yeah, it, no, happened. it happened. You can't take it away. And, and Coach Kellogg, I believe, uh, he was with the UMass team, so they technically didn't make it. Right. And then he was an assistant under Calipari at Memphis. And, and then they technically didn't make it. Yes, so, they're vacated you know. as well. So, uh, yes. But I'm sure. Coach Kellogg has they're all, all of those memories. They all
4: went. They're there, and, and if you go up to the Mullins Center up in uh, UMass, the Final Four banner still hangs up there, and they don't care if the, Does NCAA, it. the NCAA has asked them many times to take it down. They said no. We were there. We're keeping it up there. Wow, well, good for them. I, I agree. I well, think it's, it's up just there. silly
0: the idea that you could take away a title like it makes anybody else feel you know feel good, and it's part of the problem is that the you know the the kids, the coaches, everybody moves on, and who's left to be Punished in that case, unless you, you know, suspend the coaches for years at a time, which maybe they should be taking more of the punishment here than even the program does.
4: Well, you remember a few years ago when Calipari hit the milestone was it 500 wins or I forget what it was? The number of wins he hit, the NCAA had a problem with it. said, so, well, you know, you had all those vacated after, so really
0: he didn't win all those games, but technically he did. So, yeah. Eh. No, never that, you know the vacating stuff is a waste of time but you know you also feel bad for you know, a program that does things the wrong way and then it's the next generation a whole different set of humans uh, you know coaches players that come in and they're dealing with uh, penalties that had nothing to do with them so uh, it's very difficult I-, I think for the NCAA to get it right as far as the heavy-handedness and the punishments go but there's got to be a way that you don't have such a gap between what a player can be worth to a college, to a coach, to all of these people and what they're actually being offered. And a scholarship is a great thing, but, and it's perfect for 99% of these kids, but those top 1% percenters, the guys that are, you know, causing you to tune in and watch a game because you got to see X player. Well, you know those guys never really quite make anything close to what um, you know they are worth on these campuses. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. We'll get you ready for uh, tomorrow night's show as well. We'll have uh, some Mets baseball for you tomorrow as well at seven o'clock when they take on the Washington Nationals. This is Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy uh, again. Your next chance to win a thousand dollars coming up at eight oh five on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R.